All right, Meadow Ranch, how are we doing tonight? Ah, oh, man. It is good to be with you guys, man. I don't know about y'all, but today was a travel day. How many of you guys, just show of hands, how many of y'all came uh, more than three hours? Okay. How, how many of you guys came more than five hours to get up here to Hume Lake? Okay. Okay. How about, how, about, how about eight hours to get to Hume Lake? Okay. Ten. Anybody got ten? Okay, cool. All right. So a little bit about me. Uh, first off, it took me 12 and a half hours to get here to Hume Lake. So that just shows how much I care about you guys. Okay. So yes. All right. So 12 and a half hours, people are trying to figure out where on this continent do I live, all right? I live in a little town called Queen Creek, Arizona. Um, if you've never heard of it, that is okay. I am the campus pastor for a church called Sun Valley Community Church. It's a multi-site church out in the East Valley, just east of Phoenix. But I grew up in a little farming town in Northern California known as Lodi. Anybody ever heard of that? All right, that's my hometown. All right, that's very rare that people throw their hands up for Lodi. That's, that might be the second time in life that's happened. So I grew up coming to this place starting at age nine, coming to Hume Lake. It's been a part of my life and my family's story for a really, really, really long time. At age nine, I went to this crazy little camp called Wagon Train. You know, you sleep in covered wagons. You got, yeah, man. And then... That's right. And then I came to this cool camp called Meadow Ranch, and we used to meet down in that little tiny chapel down there where we had counselor meeting tonight right next to where you had your dinner. Oh, man, then went to Ponderosa. And then the staff here actually gave me a job. There was a, there was a couple-year gap, and then they said, hey, you want to you wanna join staff? And you want to know what my first role was, first week? No, that's a great guess, though. Um, my first role was actually counseling right here in Meadow Ranch. And I had a group of kids, that's right, and I had a group of kids that challenged me in so many ways. I thought I had it all figured out. I thought I knew the answers. And then God put me in a cabin with nine junior high boys. That's right. Nine junior high boys that didn't know each other and didn't know me. And we experienced a whole week together. And God taught me a whole bunch about himself, his plans for my life, and his humor in all things. Look, I, I owe a lot to Hume Lake and, and what it's done in my life. I want to show you my family. You'll see them walking around this week. There they are. Oh, man, look at them. They are so beautiful. Goodness gracious. All right, so the blonde lady, her name is Shana. Oh, man, we have been married 14 years as of a couple days ago. That's right. That's right. We actually, thank you, we actually met right here working in this very chapel providing camp experiences to students like you guys. And uh, this big guy right next to me, he comes up to my shoulder. Um, he's my 11-year-old. His name is Gunner. He's going into the sixth grade. Uh, he is 
somewhere between 5'7 and 5'8. He's a giant. Um, and then that little dude right there that looks like he's like partially asleep. It's probably because he is. Um, he's my five-year-old. His name is Cannon. Cannon like boom. Um, and, and, and he's appropriately named. So if you see any holes in buildings, Cannon may be in the nearby vicinity. All right? So that's my family. They're super awesome, uh, and they love camp, and they love what God does in and through camp. So come up, say hi to us this week when you see us. I'm excited for you guys. Here's what I know to be true, because I did student ministry for 15 years, and I love it. Here's what I know to be true, that not a single person in this room, counselors included, not a single person in this room is here by accident. And Harrison said, a statement, and I agree with this statement, some of you guys are here and you didn't even want to be here. You didn't choose to be here. Somebody chose it for you. You are not here by accident. I firmly believe, and I can back it up because I drove 12 and a half hours to get here. I firmly believe that God is going to do things in your guys' life this week that are not just going to change your life while here on this earth, but it's going to change your eternity. For some of you, God's going to do some things in your life this week that's not just going to change your life, but it's going to change your, your friends' lives. It's going to change your family's lives. It may even change a random group of junior hires lives as he equips you and uses you for something that you never would have thought possible because that's my story I didn't think that I would ever be up on stage telling students about Jesus that was something that was not even a thought in my brain until one day it was a reality he has a plan and a purpose for your lives and the stories that I love the most are the stories of the kids who this very morning didn't even realize they were going to camp. But there was a youth pastor who was doing check-in and some kid woke up sick and he had one kid on the waiting list. And so he calls that kid and goes, hey, you want to go to camp? And all of a sudden you're throwing all sorts of stuff in, in some piece of luggage and you make it there a half hour late, but you run onto the bus and then you eat your Carl's Jr. because that's what's at every lunch stop on the way to Hume Lake. And you get here and you have no idea you have no idea what this camp is even about, but here you are because God wanted you to be here. And I want every single one of you to hear something before we get into the message for tonight. That God not only wanted you to be here, but the all-creating, all-powerful, all-knowing God of the universe who has always been and will always be wants a relationship with you. Not because of anything that you bring to the table. Not because of anything that you have done or will ever do. But because he has a heart for us. And how do we know that? We see it in these words. In this book. that explains to us everything that he desires for us. In his infinite wisdom, he leaves it for us. Everything that he desires for us to know about him and his character and ultimately how to follow after him with the years that he gives us on this planet, knowing that this is not our ultimate home, but he's got something really great for us planned beyond this. Can I pray for our week this week? Lord Jesus, you are so good, man. I thank you for the adults. I thank you for the students in this room. I thank you, Lord, that they're here.
And I'm excited for them. And I know you're excited for them. And so, Lord, I pray this week that you would allow me to get out of the way as much as possible so that you can shine, so that your word can just pierce their hearts and mine included. Lord, that you would allow us to understand in our limited knowledge your love for us because when we truly understand your love for us, Lord, it changes everything. And so, Lord, would you be with us in this place? Lord, would you watch over my friends? In Jesus' name, amen. All right, when I was seven years old, guys, and by the way, I have giant children because I myself was a giant child. I'm six foot seven, in case you're all wondering how tall the bald dude is up on stage. So um, when I was seven years old, my parents took me to this place in Sacramento. I don't know what it's called now, but back when I was a kid, it was called Waterworld USA. And uh, they took me to this water park. And we were having a blast, man. I loved it. There was all sorts of water slides and things. And my sister and my brother-in-law were visiting from Oregon. And we were just playing around. And then we got tired of the slides, so we went to the wave pool. And I've always loved the wave pool. You know, growing up in the Central Valley, there's not a lot of wave opportunities. And so uh, the wave pool was sweet for me. I dug it. And so we got in the wave pool, and we were way out deep. We were way out where the waves are generated. And there was a a whole bunch of people there. It was a really, really hot day. And there was tubes all across the wave pool. Well, me, I I like to see my limits. I like to push myself to to my limits. Even as an adult, I'll explain that a little bit more in, in future messages. But one of the things that I was doing was I was diving down to the bottom. It was probably about six, seven feet um, and I was holding my breath for as long as I could, and then I would torpedo out, taking a big old breath, and go back down. And I was doing this for a while, and it was fun, and I was, I was holding my breath a little longer than I did the time before, and I always like to challenge myself with that. So I thought, this one's going to be the longest. It's going to be epic. And so I grabbed this huge breath of air, boom, and then I go under the water, and I disappear. And I'm just sitting there, sitting there on the bottom, taking in all my surroundings. There's people everywhere. And that current must have got a hold of me a little bit because now I look up and my, my shot to you know, exit the water, my exit strategy was all of a sudden clogged with an inner tube and another inner tube. And another inner tube. And there was people's bodies in the inner tubes. And, and, and those people's bodies were not my family members' bodies. Because if they were my family members' bodies, I would have just pushed up off the bottom and slammed into them. And they would have forgiven me. But I was afraid of strangers at this point in my life. I was a very awkward kid. Didn't know how to make conversation with people. And so I didn't really want to slam into a complete stranger's backside and hope that they would forgive me. And so I'm sitting there in the bottom and I'm looking at my options, and I'm not seeing any, and I'm starting to panic. You ever get the panics? I get the panics. I get a little nervous sometimes. My heart starts to race, except this time I can't take a deep breath because, well, I'm underwater, and now I'm definitely breaking my record because I'm running out of air, and I've stopped counting, but I know I've been down there a long time, and I start thinking to myself, well, this is how it ends. This is my story. Thank you, God, for seven great years. I did not expect the wave pool at Waterworld USA to take me off this planet, but apparently that's what you had planned, and your plan is greater than my plan. And I was content. I just kind of sat there on the bottom. I'm not going to bother anybody up there. They're having a grand old time. I don't want to ruin their day. 
And I just sit there on the bottom. And I'm like, okay, that's it. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, this big old arm whoosh, dives into the depths of the water. I was probably at about four or five feet. <laughs> and he yanks me out. And I'm up, ah! you know, you, have you ever sucked in a whole bunch of water and you just start coughing and you can't even, you can't even catch your breath because you just hacked up a bunch of water? And, and my brother-in-law grabs a hold of me and he sets me on a tube. And he just looks at me and he goes, what were you doing? <laughs> and I, I looked at him and I said, look, I ran out of options. <laughs> He's like, you're a dumb kid. Anyways, I, I tell you that story. I tell you that story because that's exactly where our characters are in the book of Daniel is we're going to pick it up. So if you have your Bible and you want to follow along with me, we're going to be in Daniel a bunch this week. And so I challenge you to just kind of put a bookmark in it. And then I also challenge you to read it in our time together this week. And if you have no idea where Daniel is, that's okay. It's in the Old Testament, all right? It's in the Old Testament, and it's, it's, if you take your Bible and you split it, you're going to probably land in like Psalms or Proverbs or something like that. And if you go a little bit more towards the New Testament, which is all the stories about Jesus and stuff, you're going to get to all these books that are like people's first names, all right? You're going to get Isaiah, and you're going to get Jeremiah, and you're going to get Ezekiel, and then eventually you're going you're gonna to land in Daniel. And so... As you guys are turning to Daniel, we're only going to read the first two verses of the first chapter tonight, all right, because we got some things to catch up on, and, and I know that we watch these skits that are doing a really great job of kind of displaying what's going on. But as we read these, I want you to understand that we serve a God who is never changing, we serve a God who is never changing. So if he chooses to operate like that back then, then he's going to continue to choose to operate like that now. Daniel chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. It says, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. Remember that word, because we don't really use that word very much. Verse 2. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the articles from the temple of God. These are carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put in the treasure house of his God. So let me explain what's going on here in the first two verses. Because the word besieged, like I said, that's not really a word that we use very much. And so what's going on is you've got... This pagan civilization known as the Babylonians, they come and they take over Judah. At this point in time in the history of the Israelites, God's chosen people, he made a covenant with them that said, you will be my people and I will be your God. And then he laid down all these laws with Moses and the tablets, you know, he wrote them for them and, and, and they're living, they're living their existence. But somewhere along the way, they stopped doing what God called them to do what he asked them to do, what he equipped them to do through leaders that were after his own heart. They started doing their own thing. And at one point in their history, what used to be 12 united tribes, he splits them into two kingdoms. You've got the northern kingdom known as Israel, and you've got the southern kingdom known as Judah. And that's where Daniel comes from. 
And so you've got these Babylonians, they're going to come and they're going to besiege, there's that word again, Judah. And what they do is they, they bring their military and they take captive a portion of the people living in Judah. And scripture tells us that not only do they overtake King Jehoiakim, who was an evil king, who worshipped idols, who knew the truths of God but didn't want the truths of God. Instead, he wanted the truths of self. He overthrew him and took some of the articles, God's articles, his temple figurines and, and, and things that he laid out a plan to craft for his glory, for his honor. This pagan king and his subjects took some of those back to their land and with it, people. But in the process, they destroyed a portion of Judah. It laid in wreckage. People lost their lives. Families lost their loved ones. Verse 2 says this, and this might be a difficult thing for us to really wrestle with. Verse 2, it says, and the Lord delivered. The Lord raised up Babylonia to to besiege Judah. Remember, he made a covenant. They were going to be his people, and he was going to be their God. But yet, God himself raised up a people to besiege, to destroy, to take into captive his people in Judah. And as this is going on, much like myself at the bottom of the wave pool, his people feel a little bit hopeless, a little bit helpless as they are now taken into a pagan society, a place they don't understand, a place that ultimately they don't feel as though they belong. It's definitely not their home. And some of us have felt that here because we have a world that that speaks one story while we have a God who speaks another story and we feel this human tug of war between which one are we going to satisfy are we going to follow after a God or are we going to follow after ourselves? or are we going to follow after our social media platforms are we going to follow after what our teammates or our classmates tell us to do and we, we feel this tug of war and we feel this void because we really don't know what to do with it But ultimately, I want you guys to know this, that every single one of us were made to worship. Every single one of us in this life will worship something. Will it be meaningful? Or will it never seem to measure up? I know in a room this size, there's some of you guys that came on these buses or in these vans today to this crazy place called Hume Lake, and you feel hopeless. You may not understand who this God is or the plans that he has or the powers that he has to create or sustain, but for whatever reason, you felt it in your being to send up these prayers to him. Maybe you're going through something really, really hard. Maybe you've been praying that the cancer would go away, or maybe you've been praying for a parent's marriage that seems to be all but failing. Maybe you've been praying for acceptance because no matter how hard you try, no no matter how much you act up or, or wear the right thing or say the right thing, you just can't seem to gain these things, these elusive things called friends. Maybe you've prayed with every ounce of your being for a parent that, that, that really struggles with substance abuse and they don't seem to be getting better. If anything, they seem to be getting worse. Maybe yourself, 
has been struggling with abuse, whether it's verbal or physical, sexual, and that's your reality, that that is not something that you've chosen, but it's something that has been chosen for you by somebody else. And you've been praying to this God that you don't fully know and don't fully understand, but you send him out and you, you feel as though maybe they're just bouncing around in the cosmos somewhere and he doesn't seem to be answering you because all of a sudden now you're at this place called Hume Lake but everything back home is just still the same it's still rotting it's still decaying it's still falling apart and you feel like you're very much at the bottom of a wave pool and you have no more options but yet you pray and you say God where are you at and that's hard guys that's hard because we know we there's this God that has all these plans and he has all this authority and he speaks his love for us in in this this bible but yet we we wrestle with these human things my friends i challenge you guys this week be honest with god i'll fill you in on this one he's got really really broad shoulders and he can handle your fears and he can handle your anger. And he can handle your frustration. Give it to him. It's never meant for you to carry anyways. Look, some of you guys came up here knowing a whole bunch about God. Some of you guys are like me. I was raised in a Christian home. I got loving parents. And they always wanted me to have Christian values. And I fought it long and hard. But, it, but at the core of me, I was too afraid to ask questions. Why? Because I felt like I had to put on this persona of the Christian kid that had it all figured out. It's okay to not have it all figured out. There's some things in God's word that are really, 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 really hard to understand. Maybe I need another really. But seriously, guys, it's okay to have these things called doubts. There's this guy. His name is Thomas. You probably know him for only one reason. Because he's known as what? Thomas. Doubting Thomas. Right? That's all we know about him. Right? So there's this passage where Jesus has now risen from the dead. And he showed up to a bunch of his other disciples, but not to Thomas. And it says this in John 20, 25. His, his friends, Thomas, came to him and said, Look, I, we saw the risen Lord. This is Thomas's response. Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in a house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Notice Jesus' response to Thomas's doubt. It's not shame. It's not, oh, how dare you? You walked with me for three years. Didn't I teach you anything? He says, peace be with you. My friends, if you are struggling in your relationship with Jesus, if you have doubts about God's goodness, give that over to him and allow him to meet you right where you're at. God wants the real you, not some version of you that you are pretending to be. Now, I have a friend. I have a friend that, that 
had a tragic loss in his life. And after the loss, he came to me all broken up, a shell of himself. And he goes, Kevin, if God is so good, why is this world so hard? And I had to look at him. Because I've, I've dealt with some hard things in my own life. And I had to look at him and see him in his, his fragile state. And remind him of the fact that God created all things. In one one, it says that, that God, and we know we have a relational God because there's, there's three in one and one in three. And from the beginning, they created all things. And they desire a relationship with us. God said, let us make humans in our image, not my image, but in our image. He's a relational God, and he desires a relationship with us, but he doesn't desire robots. He desires a creation that chooses him back. And in in Genesis 3, there was this tree that was good and pleasing to the eye, and the only reason it was good and pleasing to the eye is because God said to us fragile, selfish humans, don't eat of that one. I really believe he just picked one. Don't, don't eat that one. And then we were like, okay, we're going to eat that one, right? Because that's what we do. You know that, right? How many of you guys got younger siblings? Okay. How many of you have ever seen your parents go to your younger sibling? Don't do that. Okay. And then, kid you not, 30 seconds later, what is the younger sibling doing? Exactly the thing they told him not to do, right? That is built, that is built into who we are. We have this desire to choose our own path, just like these people on the boat had a desire. There was two of them that wanted to follow the master's writings, and then there was one that said, I want to choose my own path, and it ended in destruction. My friends, he gives us the path that he desires for us to stay on. Why? Because it's for our own good. It's not to kill our joy, but it's to lead us to a place that we don't deserve, but yet he gives it to us. Look. In school, imagine with me, you guys are sitting in school. I'm sorry, it's summertime, we shouldn't do this. I needed to change this story up. But for the sake of the story, you're sitting in school. And your teacher gives you an assignment. Oh, you're like, oh no, no assignments during summer, right? Your teacher gives you an assignment and says, okay, I want you to write on the Revolutionary War. Sounds kind of cool. I love history too. So teacher says, I want you to write a paper on the Revolutionary War. And you're like, okay, I hear it. Thank you, teacher. I will turn it in. You have a week to do it. And so you are, you're on the Google machine and you're hammering out some information on the Revolutionary War. And you're putting you know, pen to paper and you're writing this thing out. And then halfway through the week, you're like, you know what? I don't like the Revolutionary War. I, you know what? I'm going to choose a different subject matter. And you work really, really hard on it. And you give everything you got. And you're, you're working so hard on that computer or tablet or whatever gizmo you got that's going to give you the information you need. And you're putting all sorts of thought into it. And you write this beautifully crafted paper. Your teacher asked for eight pages. You turned in 16. You put in everything that you got. It's the best thing that you've ever written. All your, all your T's are crossed. All your I's are dotted. You got the right punctuation in there, which punctuation is hard, y'all. I don't know if you figured that out. But, but you got it perfect. All the margins are correct. Man, you turn that thing in, you're like, totally nailed it. But the thing about it is she gave you an assignment for Revolutionary War. Halfway through the process, you decided to write a paper on great white sharks. 
You turn it in, it's double what she asked for. It's got all of the right words. It's got all the right punctuation. A couple days later, she gives it back to you at the very top. And big red letter. F. It's got an F. And you're looking at it and you're like, what? It's got an F. But I, but I, but I wrote double. And the margins were right. And, and I didn't have any spelling errors. And the punctuation's correct. I even had my mom check it. And it says F. And then right in the margin, right in the margin next to that F, it says, great content, wrong assignment. See, my friends, we live in a world that really wants us to focus on the wrong assignment. It wants to grab our attention. It wants to throw things at us that are going to knock us off the path that God has intended for us by getting us all caught up in what he, sh- he says or she says or what he does or what she does or what's over there or the shiny thing that's over there or the next opportunity over there or the next way to gain praise over here or glory for ourselves so that we can ultimately sit on the throne that God belongs on. The worst thing that we can do with this one life that God has entrusted us with is to focus on the wrong assignment. To live this life, even though every I is dotted and every T is crossed, for something that ultimately doesn't measure up and ultimately doesn't matter. Look, our assignment from the get-go, my friends, is super simple. It's to be an image bearer. It's to be an image bearer of an almighty, all-powerful, all-knowing God to a world that is hopeless without him so that they can receive something that they do not deserve and certainly cannot earn. In 1 Peter 1, 3-5, and I'll wrap up with this, guys, it says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ in His great mercy. The things that we receive from God that we certainly do not deserve and certainly cannot earn, one of which is mercy, Mercy is not receiving what you've actually earned for yourself. We'll talk about this more as we get into the week. And the other thing we receive is grace, something you're given that you do not deserve. And God, because of his love for us and his desire for a relationship with us, says, I'll give you both. Continuing with the verse, in his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith were shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. My friends, if this life on this earth seems hard, it's because it is. God desires for us to grow through what we're going through. He delivered those that were in Judah into the hands of the Babylonians not to crush them, but to allow them to grow, to allow them to be brought to the end of themselves so that they would turn back to him, rely upon him, seek refuge in him. And if we have a God that never changes, if he worked like that back then, what do you think that he does now? 
He's still doing that. All those hard things that we go through in this life, it allows us to cling to him for a strength that's greater than, ourse- than ourselves. Allows us to cling to him for a hope that's greater than we could ever muster. The only hope, my friends, that we have in this world is Jesus. And he offers us something that goes far beyond anything that we could ever hope for or long for while we're on this planet. It's a relationship with him now and a relationship with him in the future. And I'm excited to talk more and more about it with you guys this week. Are you all with me? All right. Let me pray with y'all, okay? Lord God, we thank you so much for your goodness, man. We thank you for your plan for our lives. Lord, I pray that you would allow us that you would allow us to humble ourselves, submit to your will, and follow after you with confidence, knowing that you love us, care for us, and desire good things for us. Lord, may we cling to you above ourselves. May we look to you when we're in situations that we do not understand, knowing that you bring peace and hope and joy. Lord God, we love you. We praise you, and it's in your name. Amen.